Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. by Riverside. Welcome back to episode 94 of the Backside Ground Balls podcast. Super excited to be back on here tonight, but because of the holiday week, it is just me, but we do have a super special guest here. We have Ben McKee, who covers all sports, football, basketball, and baseball for the Tennessee Volunteers for 24-7 Sports and Go Vols 247. He's also the co-host of the Diamond Vols podcast, diving in-depth on all topics Tennessee baseball. Ben, thanks for joining us tonight and bringing us some Tennessee baseball content. Absolutely, I don't. I don't know that I'm special, um, but <laughs> but I do appreciate you, you having me on. I know we've been trying to knock this out for for quite some time, so I appreciate you all being patient uh, with me and again asking me to to come on. I, I know Tony Vitello is a, a polarizing uh, figure uh, throughout the the world of, of college baseball and. Uh, sports, college sports in, in general. But I, I will say, I, I know you're kind of going to ask me about this, but uh, he, he's not the, the guy that, that you would probably expect off the field. He's actually yeah. a, a really good dude. I believe it. I believe it. And we'll definitely get into those topics. And, and it's funny that you mentioned that we've been trying to make this happen for, for a while now. And I really thought that we had missed the boat there and then Tennessee decides to be in the news almost just as much in the off season. And I was like, Hey, like if we can make this happen, we can go in detail on a couple of topics. And and obviously with the prevalence of the transfer portal in college sports today and what that means for Tennessee baseball, which we're going to get into, but let's first start with coach Vitello. I mean, it's super impressive what he's built. He'll be entering year six in Knoxville this coming year. He's really brought the Vols back to national powerhouse with four straight NCAA regionals. That's including 2020 season that did not happen. So it's been 20 since 2019, three straight NCAA super regional appearances and two college world series appearances in the last three years. 
Obviously, everybody knows they had the national one seed that seemed like they were on a train of destiny to a national championship before Notre Dame came into town and obviously broke a lot of volunteers' hearts there. But kind of just broad picture, what's been impressive to you about what Coach Fatello's built and and the turnaround that he's brought to to Tennessee? There, there are so many things that, that have gone into what he's been able to do. We could sit here and talk for three hours about uh, just just how awesome of a coaching job he has uh, put together and, and completed. Because Tennessee baseball was irrelevant uh, when he took over, and uh, it, it was a, a school, uh, a program that folks in Knoxville did not care about. Obviously, it's the South. Football is king. Football is the breadwinner. Um, and outside of Missouri and maybe Georgia and, and a little bit of Alabama, maybe Kentucky, like everybody else in the SEC cared about baseball. Uh, and mm-hmm. simply put, he has made people care about college baseball. Uh, and again, football is king. It, it always will be at a place like Tennessee. Um, but he, he is he, he can hold his weight with Josh Heupel. Uh, Tennessee's football coach, which is saying something. And, and quite frankly, I didn't think that we'd ever see that. Uh, it, it, and it makes a little bit of sense, like in hindsight, because it's the South. Uh, and, and folks care about like Tennessee basketball and, and whatnot. But football and baseball are the, are the two most popular sports, in my opinion. And you can throw softball in there uh, with baseball. Um, but it, it makes sense. Like there's a lot of st- talent in the state of Tennessee, especially with how uh, Nashville is is growing. Uh, and a lot of people care about baseball in the South. Uh, the Braves are a, a, a hot topic. <laughs> it always has been my entire life living in the South for the most part. Um, so it, it just needed somebody that was going to to wake people up. It was kind of a, a sleeping giant of sorts. And, and I do say that while also recognizing that Tennessee's not LSU or uh, the Mississippi schools or, or some of these Vanderbilts, e- even in state, they, they, I recognize that they're not that yet. I, I think that by the time Tony Vitello's tenure at Tennessee is done, that they will be, whether that's 10 years from now or 30 years from now. I, I, I personally think that he, he's one of the rare uh, people in sports nowadays that, that are lifers and should always be at, at Tennessee, but it's also sports. So we know that you never know what may happen, but when it's all said and done, like I truly believe at, at some point he'll win a national championship. Uh, and that's just, and here's bottom line, simply put why he's been able to turn things around so quickly uh, and, and make people care about Tennessee baseball, the way that he has, and, and kind of be a mayor in East Tennessee and, and in Knoxville is because he is the best recruiter in, in, all of college athletics, not just college baseball in all of college athletics. And I'm not saying that because I cover Tennessee on a day-to-day basis. I'm not just saying that because it's my alma mater. I truly believe that when you look at the amount of talent that they are bringing in with the resources that they have, it it doesn't equal up. It it, it shouldn't equate to that. Um, and now it's a little bit easier to sell Tennessee baseball because they're established and they're really starting to benefit from going to Omaha and, and competing in the SEC at a high level and Drew Gilbert and, and Jordan Beck and, and those type of players. But they had to get Drew Gilbert and Jordan Beck to begin with. Uh, and uh, Tony Vitello credits those guys. And I, I'm leaving off a ton. Connor Pavaloni, Jake Rucker, Max Ferguson. Uh, Tony likes to go through the list all, all the time of guys <laughs> that helped establish the culture. Though they they won significant recruiting battles to get those guys on campus, and then when they got 
got them here, they developed them uh, and they were able to be successful. So that that's the easy answer is, is that he's a recruiter. And if anybody's been to Lindsey Nelson Stadium and, and seen the facilities, uh, we're about to have a hundred million dollar renovation at Lindsey Nelson Stadium uh, here in Knoxville. So uh, it's about to look much different. But the the results on the recruiting trail do not match the resources that he has had. Like he's been recruiting at a Alabama football, Georgia football level, Kentucky basketball level, and nowhere near the resources or facilities that those programs have in, in their sports, which is why I say that uh, given the circumstances that he, he has to work with, like he's the best recruiter in, in all of college athletics. And I truly do believe that. Uh, so that's been the, the easy answer uh, and the quickest way to success uh, their their ability to to see talent and think that they're good enough to play in the SEC and and then it's one thing to get talent to campus it's another thing to actually develop it yep. once it gets to campus and uh, Josh Elander his assistant coach doesn't get enough credit for his ability to develop Frank Anderson is viewed by many in the sport to be the best pitching coach in the country and, and he's I know we just had the Chase Burns situation pop up and I think you're going to ask me about that later uh, but aside from Chase Burns I mean he he's He's turned so many guys into to draft picks and, and developed them. I, I think his overall resume in his career, he has like over 100 major league draft yeah. picks, which is just an absurd number. Um, but even at Tennessee, I mean, Garrett Crochet, Chad Dallas, Garrett Crochet, nobody was really taking a chance on him out of Mississippi. Uh, and they they decided to take a chance on him, and he turned into a first-round pick, and, and he was pitching in the bullpen – like three months after he got picked in the first round was the first guy in his class. We just saw Ben Joyce do that same thing. Uh, Blake Tidwell, uh, Chase Burns was still developed. Drew Beam, Chase Dolander, we could go on and on and on. Sean Hunley, uh, again, we could go on and on and on. So their ability to recruit, their ability to develop players, uh, and, and the culture uh, that, that he has set is top-notch. Uh, all the guys – not every guy loves playing for him, right? I mean, no coach in America. You, you know this. You, you were telling me that you have some coaching in your background as well. You're, you're not going to get along with, with every single person. I mean, it's the same with everyday life, right? Like the, some people are meant for some people and others aren't. So they, they have had their fair share of guys who have who have left. We, we just saw one leave. Um, but for the most part, just generally speaking, like his players absolutely love playing for him. Uh, he, he sets it up to where it's like a, a professional baseball atmosphere, a very minor league level-ish in the sense of uh, you have a certain time. Like if they're on the road, you got to be at the ballpark or, or not at the ballpark, but you got to be ready to go at the bus at 4 o'clock. And they let them go eat lunch wherever they want to go eat lunch, go hang out with family, go hang out with friends, whoever made the trip. Uh you're treated like a minor league baseball player or a major league baseball player. And I think a lot of people love that. And, and that's helped build the culture. Uh, and as you've seen on the field a million times, like there, there isn't a single player that he won't go to bat for uh, and, yeah. you know, be, be passionate on the field and, and let his emotions be known and, and be shown towards the umpire. He, he, he sticks for his players. He, he rides for his players. Uh, so that's a, another big thing that, and that's also lends into why he's such a, great recruiter uh he, he has an infectious personality um guys kids recruits love him uh and uh people gravitate towards him i know people see one thing on social media and i get it it's funny it's entertaining i'm sure uh opposing fans absolutely hate it um 
and I, I get that aspect of it, but that's just him being a passionate guy and, and really sticking up for his people. And, and that, in a lot of ways, ha- has made him successful on top of the ability to recruit, uh, the ability to develop, and his ability to, to set a culture. Uh, all, all of those things. And again, I don't think he gets – everybody talks about Tony Vitello, Tony Vitello, Tony Vitello. I mean, he'll tell you that he's had so many people that have helped him as well. I mentioned Frank Anderson. I mentioned Josh Elander, uh, Quentin Eberhardt. Uh, Tennessee strength coach has been tremendous. He actually left Tennessee to go be the strength coach for the Cubs. This was last season, uh, the 2022 season. He left like right before the season started, was with the Cubs, and and he decided after the baseball season, college baseball season, and and kind of midway through the Cubs year, that professional baseball just wasn't his Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, He he liked the more college vibe to to working in the weight room of of getting to work with the kids on a more personal level, because obviously pro athletes just kind of go about their business in in their own way. And he didn't like that. And he also missed the the family vibe and culture at at Tennessee. So he left the Chicago Cubs to to come back to to Tennessee, which I I think tells you a lot. And and it wasn't because like he was going to get fired or or anything like that. I mean, his heart was in college baseball and and at Tennessee with his people. And and this coaching staff has kind of grown up together uh, at Tennessee. It's a bunch of young guys. Tony's first job, Elander's first job. Frank's kind of the rare uh, old head in in the room. Uh, so they, they've kind of grown up together. Uh, so th- there's a ton of people that go into it as well behind the scenes. Uh, everybody talks about Tony Vitello, uh, but he'll be the first to tell you that his staff is, is up there with anybody. So much to unpack. I, I, I loved every second of that because that is literally like in my world like just college baseball that's the content that I love and we'll start with the recruiting side of things and and then we'll go into because I want to ask you a couple more questions about culture wise and and maybe even some player development wise but I have on here and in my notes and in my opinion that Tony Vitello has made a career off being one of the best recruiters in like you said all of sports it's been no question he's he's a guy who recruited at a high level every stop he's been and and it has continued and you mentioned kind of in passing there the infectious personality is it just good looks and hair that makes him a good recruiter or kind of go into what the personality is that why people gravitate towards him yeah he's just he's funny um it's going to sound like I'm on a dating show, um, but he, I mean, he's he's just funny and kind of you, you talk to him and, and you don't really view him as a, a head coach of an SEC baseball program uh, and especially the head coach of an SEC baseball program that is on the rise and competing with anybody on the recruiting trail and, and on the field as well. And again, like I said earlier, they, they still have some things that they need to accomplish in order to to really solidify themselves as you know opponents, true opponents of like a Vanderbilt and an LSU uh, teams of that nature, Florida teams who have won the national championship, both Mississippi schools, Arkansas still trying to win a national championship, but they're they're in it every single year. Uh, now it's about sustaining that success, and I think they'll be able to just with the way that they're recruiting. Um, it, it's the SEC, it, it's college baseball at the highest level. You're going to lose recruiting battles, but they're also winning their fair share of recruiting battles against those teams, LSU, Vandy, Arkansas, the, the premier teams in the sport. Uh, and and they're able to do that because of, of Tony's personality. Uh, and it's just a, 
a down to earth guy, which which I know he he comes off as a, a d bag, quite frankly, during games. <laughs> I know that's what opposing fans think of him, but uh, I mean, the, there isn't. I mean, he he would give the shirt off of his back for for anybody, uh, really. I mean, he has he's a good dude, has a good heart, uh, and, and really is really loyal. Uh, quite frankly, uh, really loyal to the, to the people who have believed in him uh, and taken a chance on him, which is why I said earlier, he always shouts out his first couple of teams uh, and the guys on those teams because they took a shot on Tennessee when Tennessee was in the bottom of the SEC. They, they could have gone elsewhere to more established programs, and they took a chance on Tony Vitello, his staff, his program. Uh, and so w- when you when you have people that decide to do that, you you feel an extra sense of of loyalty. I mean, he's already a loyal guy and he just is as loyal as they come because of kind of those things as, as well. So, uh, he, he has an infectious personality for, for many reasons. Uh, he's funny. Uh, and, and I mean, he's single and he's younger and I think that helps him really relate, uh, to, to the guys as well. Um, maybe it's not always the, the best thing, um, but he comes off as more of a friend than, or a big brother than, than, a old school coach that, that you kind of stereotype. Uh, and I think, that, again, that doesn't work for everybody, but I, I think it, it works a lot of, a lot of the times. Uh, so th- there's a lot of reasons, but, but at the end of the day, he's just a, a down to earth guy uh, who doesn't think too much of himself and, and is very loyal uh, and uh, kids uh, and parents uh, gravitate uh, towards him f- for that reason. And, you know, everybody talks about Tennessee baseball being the villains. And again, I get that. I'm not trying to say that I disagree with, with people's view of Tennessee. I, I saw Jordan Beck round first base last year and give the middle finger to, to the Georgia Tech center fielder. I watched Drew Gilbert turn around and F-bomb an umpire twice uh, in, in, in a bat and get ejected. Like, I get it. I get why people don't like Tennessee. I really do. I'm just saying that those, even like Drew Gilbert, like, Drew Gilbert is as good of a person as you'll meet. He's passionate and he doesn't know how to control his energy between the, between the white lines at times. But the moment the game ends and up until game time, there there isn't anything again that he wouldn't do for somebody. So um, Tony kind of fits that same narrative to me. Uh, he, he's always been very very nice to me uh, and, and others in in my line of work. I, I see it on a day to day basis. So uh, he, he's just a good dude. That that's that's the simplest way to to put it. And I think just about every human on this earth prefers being around good people who have good yeah. intentions and, and he, he fits that mold. Especially in the coaching world. Um, and like, you know, when you've been in it, you, you can see a lot of ego and you can see a lot of arrogance, take the wheel and a lot of decision-making and, and you have a huge impact in those situations. But it's funny that all these things that you describe a guy that I worked for, like the, the passion that comes out, during game day is completely different than the off the field things. And that's what you see with a lot of coaches that are successful specifically is there's like game day coach. And then there's off the field, cool recruiting guy who will go to bat for you, you know, and make sure that they vouch for you post playing career and all the passion that comes between that. And that doesn't necessarily, cause we live in a society where obviously, especially in sec world and sec baseball, cameras are around at all times. So every time Tony Vitello has a blow up, every time there's a, there's a kid from Tennessee making a mistake, like 19 to 22 year olds do a lot. I've seen a lot at the, at the college baseball level. Um, 
it gets called on camera. Whereas for, for us in the lower levels at the division two and division three level, it doesn't get called on camera and nobody has to judge your program and your culture off of those mistakes that those kids at the end of the day, those kids and teenagers make. Um, but you mentioned a couple of times, swagger and confidence, obviously Jordan Beck, Drew Gilbert, coach Vitello himself, all those guys, they kind of have a bravado to them. Is that something that the guys embody from Coach Vitello? Is that just a group thing? Is it kind of just something that that was like a snowball effect last year in 2022? They started to be the bad boys of the SEC, and they just took it and ran with it. Yeah, that, that's a, a fascinating question. I, I think there, there have been some guys over the course of their career at Tennessee that developed that personality. Um, but there's also guys like a Drew Gilbert who always had that personality from, from the moment he showed up on campus, it, it was told to me that, Hey, this kid's a firecracker, that this kid is an absolute firecracker waiting to pop off at, at any given moment. Uh, and, and Tony's kind of got that same personality, uh, as well. Uh, and I, I think as, again, this is his first head coaching job and he's only seven years into it now. Like he's still learning on the job as well. I think he made a conscious effort this past season, to 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 reel in the the extra emotions and and the chest bumping of of umpires and and things of that nature and, and I think it helped them the second half of the season uh, when when they finally found their leaders on this year's team I think that calming presence or more of a calming presence I, I think that really helped them uh, so even he's still learning on the job and and again that that's his personality I mean that's not easy to do to change who you are. Um, so he, he has recruited guys that, that fit that mold that are just like him. Uh, Drew Gilbert is that way. Uh, Evan Russell, obviously Drew Gilbert is the extreme, right? Uh, yeah. but then there are guys like Evan Russell who aren't afraid to, to show emotion out there. Um, and, and is a little wired differently. Uh, Maui Ahuna is a, a little wired differently, although you didn't really see a ton from him this year. Uh, Luke Lipsius, last year's team, Trey Lipscomb, uh, they, they had a, definitive confidence to them. Um, but then you also saw guys uh, like a Jordan Beck. He's more of a, a quiet, doesn't really say much, just kind of lets what he does on the field speak for himself. I mean, he, he's a guy that as he got older uh, and probably spent more time with Drew Gilbert because they came into Tennessee together. They're, they're the same age, same class, spent more time around. Uh, Tony Vitello and, and others, those others that I mentioned, um, I'm not going to say that he changed completely, but probably gained confidence from being around those other confident guys who I, I'm sure old heads won't like hearing this and uh, even people who don't like Tennessee won't like hearing this, but the more they're around the the drip or, or the sauce or the yeah. swagger, whatever you want to call it, yep. uh, that that confidence, but not not just the typical confidence that baseball players have, the the the, the little tick more of, of confidence than than normal uh, that led to Tennessee being the bad boys of, of college baseball last year. I think that rubbed off on Jordan Beck, uh, and and not just Jordan Beck. I'm mentioning Jordan Beck because he flipped off the Georgia Tech center fielder and <laughs> uh, was one of the key players on, on last year's team. Um, but and, and and again, not singling him out. There, there's others as well that we could mention. Um, but I, I do think, yes, he has recruited guys like him. They wanted Drew Gilbert because he was a firecracker and he was a program changer, quite frankly, yeah. in, in terms mm-hmm. of the energy that he brought to the facility day in and day out. And, and you look back in hindsight, Drew Gilbert absolutely elevated Tennessee's baseball program. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it uh, w- with the attention that he brought 
and I do think that that rubbed off on others like Jordan Beck and, and many others as well. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And and it's it's crazy how those pieces can be so impactful in what the programs become. But one of the keys to getting guys that are as important as the Drew Gilberts and the Jordan Becks and, and even to what we know now as the Chase Dolanders of the world is development, right? You mentioned Coach Anderson, who's highly regarded across the coaching industry and the college baseball industry. But on the offensive side, I don't think they get enough credit for the development that they've done with guys like Drew Gilbert and guys like Jordan Beck. I mean, Drew Gilbert is skyrocketing his way and, and getting his name penciled into some Houston Astros lineups to kick off opening day next year. That's how good of a prospect he's been in professional baseball. So from your perspective, is there anything unique that they do in player development I know part of the Lindsey Nelson renovations is to improve player development. We heard so much about the wake pitching lab and obviously offensively, it's just been kind of a unique change across college baseball over the last couple of years, whether that be park effect or ball effect, whatever it goes into it, heat rolled bats, you know, we could go in for hours about that, but what have they done specifically from a coaching staff standpoint that has allowed guys to perform at you know, the levels that they're capable of being day one draft picks, professional baseball players, you know, in a calendar year almost from draft day to getting that debut opportunity. Yeah, I, I don't honestly don't think that there's anything special that they do. I think what they do special is is they go out and, and recruit the, the best talent in the country uh, and, and they they bring that talent in and yeah. uh, let that talent go to work. Drew Gilbert was one of the, the best high school players in the country. Uh, he was committed to, to Oregon State after Oregon State won a, a national championship. And I don't remember the exact reason uh, that he decommitted from Oregon State. I want to say there was a coaching change. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember if it was a, a head coach or, or an assistant coach. Um, mm -hmm. But his recruitment opened back up, and – uh, he took a chance on Tennessee, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, so, and Jordan Beck, one of one of the most talented players uh, in the country. I, I know Alabama baseball isn't, you know, Vanderbilt or anything, but uh, he he Tony was able to land Jordan Beck, who is from Huntsville, Alabama, over Auburn and Alabama and the the home state uh, teams. Uh, Alric Solari, who was a, a JUCO addition, uh, he was committed to Arkansas and followed Tony Vitello from Arkansas. Uh, and you had several guys. I mean, Connor Pavoloni, uh picked Tennessee out of the state of Georgia. Uh, Jake Rucker was somewhat under-recruited, uh, but still took a, a chance on, on Tennessee uh, as well. Max Ferguson from the state of Florida took a chance on, on Tennessee. So I think what they do well is they get talent, and yeah. then they don't get in the way of the talent uh, when they get here. Now, obviously, it, it's not that simple, right? Like you've seen Garrett Crochet come to campus and Blade Tidwell and Dolander and, and Burns and Drew Beam and, and so many guys get better over their time at Tennessee. So obviously, they're still doing something within the player development realm. Uh, I, I think a lot of it is uh, they, they don't get in the way of guys. And I, I honestly think that they keep it simple. I, I wrote a story earlier this spring uh, and talked to to Josh Elander and was like, because Tennessee just hit over 100 home runs for the second mm -hmm. straight season. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it had only ever been done twice before this staff got here or it had ever been done twice before these back-to-back -back seasons. And so it's like, what are you doing differently 
with these guys to, to generate power. And he didn't, he really didn't answer my question. He was just like, well, I, I just try to emphasize driving the ball and, you know, the typical conversation and, and coaching speak that you hear in the cages from hitting coaches. It, it was very simple and, and, and along those lines. And uh, I, like I said earlier, Quentin Eberhardt, the strength coach who uh, he had been with, been in professional baseball previously before he got to Tennessee, he was in the, the Marlins organization uh, in the minor leagues and, and then got a shot with the Cubs uh, a, as well. Um, but he, he plays such a significant role in, in um, not only getting their bodies right, but also he he's he helps set the the tone uh, around the program inside the walls. He he helps set the culture. Uh, so I I don't like as crazy as it sounds. I I don't think that they're doing anything super special. I think what they're doing is they're they're going out and they're getting premier talent um, because obviously talent wins out at the end of the day uh and they're they're keeping it simple with those talents they're finding the strengths uh and they're working on honing those strengths rather than changing them now i i do think frank anderson he obviously i mean he's he should have a major or a doctor's degree in in pitching um apparently he has like a major in kinesiology so he's like really good with the body movements and and Mm -hmm. if your body does this thing then your pitch is going to do that and and apparently he's a master at tweaking people's sliders and and getting it better and and getting an uptick in velocity and uh, we've seen guys transfer in uh seth halverson a chase dolander uh Ben Joyce, where, where their mm-hmm. command at their previous stop wasn't all that great, and they had ERAs in the fours and, and the fives, and, and then they come into Tennessee and Chase Dolander's the SEC Pitcher of the Year last year. Uh, Seth Halverson, he after transferring from Missouri, he was hurt during the the uh, the Bad Boys season last year, but this past season uh, he was awesome out of the bullpen, and, and he's going to be a sixth to eighth round pick here next mm-hmm. week and, and get drafted. Uh, and that's because Frank was able to to change their command. So I, I obviously think Frank does a, a ton. Now Frank hates speaking to the media. He he just does not do media. Uh, he 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 had his day as a head coach and, and said that he'll never do media. So uh, I, I've had to to pick the the brains of of former players and and what allows him to be successful. But w- what I just said is is a lot of what they say uh, is that he's just a master of kind of knowing how the body moves and, and what they need to tweak and, and what they need to adjust to get their body to do this. And their and then their pitchers pitches do that. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's premier talent and they just kind of let the guys be themselves. Yeah. Keeping it simple sometimes is, you know, I, I love player development at all levels, college and professionally, but a lot of times it comes back to keeping it simple. Even you, I know you're an MLB fan. You look at the organizations like the Rays, the Dodgers. And if you really dive in with anybody who's within those organizations, it's like, no, they find out what I do well and they tell me to do it a lot, right? Like, and it's, it sounds so simple and it sounds so easy, but that those are the differences between, you know, as you say in the coaching industry, doming a guy up and having them overthink, you know, what makes them so unique compared to actually being able to perform. But you went into a lot of detail there about Coach Anderson and his development. And that brings me to whether you want to call it the question marks, uh, the interesting decision, whatever you want to have, everybody has an opinion on the transfer portal in, in college athletics today. But Chase Burns' decision to enter the transfer portal. I read uh, your co-host uh, and fellow Goat Vols 247 contributor Wes Rucker's piece on it. 
And really, because my opinion on it was kind of similar to the sentiment that he said, it just didn't make sense, right? You've developed over 100 guys to be MLB draft picks. You've shown this ability to develop first level, first round level talent. You're going to see Chase Dolander go in the top 15 of the MLB draft a week from today. All of these things that add up to be like, why would you leave, right? What would, what would go into that decision? Can you just give, you don't have to go into detail about why he would leave, um, obviously the bullpen decision, but like somebody who maybe isn't associated or doesn't follow Tennessee baseball and they see a, a Saturday, Saturday starter leave a team that's as good as Tennessee, why would a pitcher do that specifically? Well, uh, Chase, simply put, did not like uh, that he got moved to the bullpen. Uh, that, that, that led to the ultimate decision uh, that he made. He and his camp uh, were, were unhappy uh, about that move to the bullpen, which I, I don't understand the – the frustration with, with being moved to the bullpen, uh, he, he was not pitching well whatsoever. I mean, it, it was going really, really poorly for him, going really, really poorly for the team. Something had to change. Uh, and, and, I mean, he was the guy that was the worst uh, of the starting trio. Uh, Drew Beam was inconsistent. Uh, Chase Dolander was struggling as well. Um, but Chase Burns was really, really struggling. Uh, and, again, something had to change. And, uh, Tony Vitello made the decision to to move him to the bullpen, and from that moment on, when he made that decision uh, midway through the year prior to the Ar- Arkansas series, Burns and his camp just had it in their mind that that they were gonna they were gonna leave, uh, and things seemed to, to get better towards the end of the year um, with the way the postseason went. I mean, Chase Burns was absolutely. Electric. Everybody who keeps up with college baseball saw what he did the last month, month and a half, uh, especially in the NCAA tournament at Clemson, at Southern Miss, against Stanford and Omaha. The guy was electric. I mean, he was the most electric, best arm out of the bullpen in in the entire country. Uh, And it was clear that he had uh, found himself again. And because of how that ended, Tennessee felt a, a little bit better or they were optimistic uh, that that they were able to or going to be able to retain Chase Burns, that they had kind of known that that he had made up his mind that he was going to enter the portal, but they were hoping with the way the season ended that maybe that that mind would be changed. And uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, he and his camp were worse. They were just dead set the the moment he got moved to the bullpen. So um, it's unfortunate. Again, I I don't really understand the frustration of, of being moved to the bullpen considering how much he was struggling and and not only did the move help the team it helped him from an individual standpoint so I I think you got to kind of question some things on their end if they they made the move that was in the best interest of the team and you still make that decision a little weird to me and then on the other hand from an individual perspective it was the best move for Chase himself at the time and he got better from it and they still want to leave so I, I think uh, a lot of it is confusing, um, and and it and it it is unfortunate. A guy that is from Tennessee, um, a guy who has had success these first two seasons, he should not be leaving Tennessee. Um, but I I kind of look at Chase Burns in this situation and not Tennessee because, from my understanding, Tennessee did not mistreat Chase Burns. They did they did not 
make moves that didn't need to be made. They made moves that was in the best interest of the team and the best interest of himself, and they proved to be good moves, and, and both the team and himself benefited. So, yes, it is frustrating if you're a Tennessee fan. Uh, it, it, it doesn't make sense. It's sad. It's unfortunate, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I, I think that Chase Burns and, and his camp maybe need to, to look in the mirror, quite frankly, and maybe make some changes um, as, as simple as I can put it, because I, I don't know how Tennessee was supposed to handle that situation differently. Uh, again, from my understanding, he was treated perfectly fine. They, they just did not like the move to the bullpen, even though it worked out best for everybody. Yeah, I think when you say that it worked, like it it literally was the best decision that any coach made all year, quite frankly. Like it was like other than maybe LSU deciding not to hit Paul Skeens this year and just letting him be the best pitcher on the planet in college baseball, like the Chase Burns move to the bullpen seemed like a slam dunk. I remember after the Vanderbilt series win when the decision really seemed to look like it was a great decision, quite frankly, and Dan and I, my co-host, came on here and talked about how great of a move it was for everybody involved. And that was in the middle of the season before the Clemson outing, before the Stanford outing, which you could argue was one of the best relief outings in College World Series history. And then you start to look back at it and you're like, it worked out for all parties involved. You go be an ace next year and you're making a million dollars, just like Chase Dolander's going to do. But when you started to see the news and see the name crop up, you were there was confusion, right? Because it it made sense for all parties involved, and you know it's hard sometimes to to wrap your head around that. That's kind of you know I'm I'm pro player. Uh, I love I love those them being able to make decisions that are best for them, especially because it's not always these cut and dry like you know decisions. There's a lot that goes into it, but it's one of those things where it really kind of it hurts the transfer portal and even to a lesser extent, the NIL era when decisions like this are made that don't seem to make a lot of sense. And hopefully, you know, wish nothing but the best of luck for Chase Burns and his future. And Tennessee's going to be okay. They recruit at an elite level for a reason. They develop at elite level for a reason. They'll find a replacement for him, maybe not as elite and high octane as him, but they'll definitely find a replacement. So, gut feel where do you think he's heading have you have you gotten anything is there there any kind of news coming out of that potentially is it a is it the big boys that are coming knocking uh, yes um but I, I would be very surprised if he did not end up at TCU uh, TCU is mm-hmm. is the school that I expect him uh, to end up at and I, I think that it is has been a, a done deal for a while now mm-hmm. uh, and, and not that it has anything to, to do with with NIL I, I know there were a lot of rumors on, on social media about LSU offering this and offering that but uh, from my understanding that that was never the situation yeah. as to why he left um, a Tennessee can Tennessee is sitting just fine NIL wise uh, maybe not like LSU because LSU is operating like they're the Dodgers or, or yeah. Steve Cohen in, in the Mets. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> the, from my understanding, again, this was not an NIL decision. This was a why did you move me to the bullpen decision? Yeah. And and could Tony Vitello maybe had better communication? Probably. I'm not saying that he's totally blameless or that Tennessee is totally blameless. I just think for two years now – there's been a lot of me, 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 and not 
team first mentality. And I, I think it would really uh, serve Chase Burns well uh, to, to have a more team first mindset. Uh, I, I believe he went to uh, three different high schools um, yeah. in high school. I, and this will now be his second college in, in three years. Uh, he's, he's changed agents several times. Uh, so I, I think at some point, like I'm trying to put it as nicely as I can, at, at some point you got to look in the mirror yeah. and take accountability for, for yourself, uh, take responsibility is what I meant to say. Take responsibility of your actions and, and performance on the field. Uh, and and I, I do feel like that could have been better at times. And, and it's not just Chase Burns. Do I think Chase Burns needs to mature? Yes, I do. Uh, but I also think that maybe the people around him need to do better by him. Uh, and not in the sense of like they're mistreating him. I, I just don't know that it's never good to have a bunch of yes men in your corner. Mm-hmm. You need somebody that's not going to be afraid to step up and say, no, you don't need to do that. If yeah. if you have too many yes men in your life, I encourage you to go find somebody that's not afraid to tell you no. And I think Chase Burns could, could benefit uh, from somebody of that nature. And look, I'm truly not trying to rail on the kid. I, I think, uh, I think he's a good young man. I I think he's a, a nice kid. Uh, he was more than kind to me the last two years covering him. Um, not not the most talkative guy, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but he was always respectful and, and polite. Uh, he's a great pitcher. Um, he, he's going to be successful anywhere he anywhere he goes. He, he's too naturally talented not to. And if he can land the the curveball and the changeup consistently, like he did against Stanford, to go along with the fastball and the slider, he's going to be a a first round pick, not yeah. a first round pick. I misspoke. The number one overall pick in next year's draft, and not as a bullpen guy either. If it's just fastball or slider, then yeah, he'll he'll be in the bullpen as a closer, closer probably. But if he can land the curveball and change up consistently, he'll be a starter at the next level and be the number one overall pick in, in next year's draft. So again, really not trying to rail on him, um, but I, I think. I think it's safe to say that that Chase Burns is going to be okay without Tennessee because he is so naturally talented. And I think Tennessee's going to be perfectly okay as well, which I I know that um, that that sounds crazy because of how talented Chase Burns is. But I also think that it's easy to to pick up that maybe there were some headaches in there uh, as well. And and maybe a fresh fresh start and a breath of fresh air is is good for both. So uh, I, I wish Chase Burns the best because he is re- really, really fun to watch. And uh, he, he's got a long, long career in front of him. Yeah, definitely. And and he was bad. Like, I, like nothing – like it doesn't make sense, right? If he was mad about the bullpen move, like – pitch better. Right. And, and that's not just the coach and me coming out. Like it's, it's just the reality of the situation. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at what his statistics were at that point in time for an arm as talented as any across the country to be performing at that level. Something had to be done and it was the right move, but we don't have to stay on the negative for too long. Let's transition into a little bit more positive of the transfer portal the additions that Tennessee has been able to make and, and a couple guys that are really going to be impact arms and at the sec level and, and cannon pebbles, who's is coming from NC state catcher. If you look at the, 
Tennessee roster and the lineup specifically, uh, catcher was a hole throughout the year, and they could use a guy who offensively produced at a 352, 456, 697 clip with 12 home runs and only 142 at bats as a true freshman in the ACC, which is obviously a really good baseball conference there. And then another one is Ryan Galaney, who is the SOCON player of the year at Wofford. He's a draft risk. He's going to get some top 10 buzz, but obviously you mentioned Tennessee's a ability to to push some NIL money. Maybe there's a chance they can get him to suit up in orange, which would be huge because last year he hit 383, 491, 670 with 15 doubles, 17 home runs, and 66 RBIs. And the last guy, and you can tell me if you've heard this story before, a true freshman with a high-octane fastball transfers in to Tennessee. It sounds a lot like Chase Dolander's situation in Nate Sneed from Wichita State, who's coming in with a 3.16 ERA, 53 Ks in relief for the Wichita State team. He had 24 games, one start, 42 inning pitch. So obviously three different guys there who I personally think are really going to help this Tennessee team in 2024. But what are your thoughts and, and what are kind of some of the behind the scenes look on how the transfer portal has actually helped this Tennessee team? Yeah, I, I think Tennessee is putting together a, as good of a portal class as anybody uh, in the entire country um, because of the amount of people that they're bringing in, obviously, but also because of the quality of player. I mean, the, these guys are absolute studs uh, that, that they're bringing in, those guys that you just uh, listed off. And, and I, I don't think that they're anywhere close to being done either. I, I think that they're still in it for, for some big-time uh, transfers, uh, both uh, on the mound and uh, at the plate, uh, multiple guys that, that they are sitting pretty with. And uh, we're recording this on Monday night, uh, and I, I keep looking at my phone because uh, not because my dog likes to bark with, with the fireworks going on this week, but because uh, I, I'm quite frankly expecting uh, somebody to commit or two uh, at any moment uh, here in the next 24 to 48 hours. So it's only going to get better uh, for, for Tennessee fans. But uh, the guys coming in, I, I mentioned it, they're studs. You, you kind of listed off their stats. But most importantly, they feel needs. You mentioned it. Yes. Catcher was was kind of a, a spot that was up and down this year. I think Cal Stark and, and Charlie Taylor, I think they were fine defensively. Uh, it wasn't Yadier Molina back there. But I liked Cal Stark and, and the camaraderie he had with the pitchers and uh, the energy that he that he had back there as well, hyping his guys up and, and giving his guys confidence. Um, but Cannon Peebles, I mean, there, there's no mistake in the, the pop in, in that guy's bat, which is what was missing uh, for Tennessee last year at that spot. And uh, Stark and, and Chuck, Chuck Taylor, um, combined to hit 200 last year, yeah. which is obviously not great. And, and you you mentioned the stats for Peebles. I mean, it, it's it's been outrageous and, and just has a ton of pop in the bat, a switch hitter, uh, just a lot of natural ability and I was told that like 15 homers in a full season of that bat should be the absolute floor. Uh, so you know that he, he's got even more power in that bat. Uh, Nate Sneed is, is really, really exciting. You mentioned it's kind of like Chase Dolander uh, 2.0. Uh, has a lot of velocity, has touched triple digits, sitting mid-90s, and uh, very, very athletic. They think more velocity is on the way uh, to where he's not just touching 100, but maybe sitting there more consistently. Uh, and I don't want to say he's going to be Paul Skeens or, or yeah. Chase Burns mm-hmm. in that sense when they're sitting 101, 102, but like sitting 97 to 99, that that is very, very possible. Uh, Ryan Galaney, 
Uh, he, he's one for Tennessee fans that, that you want to get really excited about, but he's also probably going to be a, a draft casualty uh, as each day goes by. Uh, I, I think Tennessee gets more and more nervous uh, about what where that guy could be drafted and, and how much money could be thrown his way. Uh, he's up in the Cape Cod right now, um, really raking, uh, which is not good for Tennessee because his draft status just continues to to blow up the the, the more and more success he has up there. But uh, he's another guy that just has a ton of power in the bat uh, and will really – provide a, a nice veteran presence for Tennessee a hits from the right side, which sounds simple, but Tennessee was very left-handed dominant last season uh, and, and they need more balance in the lineup for, for this upcoming season. And, and he can provide that if he makes it uh, to campus. And, and the other thing is he can play third base. He can play first base. He can play left field. He can play right field. He, he can play any of the corner infield and, and outfield spots, which is obviously uh, big for, for Tony Vitello to, to, you know, move some pieces around in, in his lineup and, and take advantage of that versatility. Um, I, I think that that's that's most of the guys. I guess uh, AJ Causey, uh, he, he committed like mm-hmm. uh, a month and a half, or not a month and a half, but a week and a half, two weeks ago. But as as crazy as the portal seems, it, it seems like it was a month and a half, two months ago. <laughs> but uh, he's a guy from from Jacksonville State uh, who's a low submarine, um, has one of the best changeups in, in college baseball. Uh, and I asked him about his changeup, and, and he said that that's kind of a new pitch that he developed. Uh, it's the the sinker, uh, sweeper, traditional submarine mix that he has. That's mm-hmm. kind of his go to, and then the changeup kind of plays off of that. Uh, and then, as you know, playing baseball yourself and, and coaching, he sits ninety two, ninety three. I want to say low nineties, but for a submarine guy, that that low nineties plays more like mid nineties. Yeah, uh, and there's some hope that. Uh, he can add some more velocity. And if he could bump up to like 94, 95 and not even hit it consistently, but hit it a third of the time like that, that's going to be real tough for, for hitters to to see. And uh, you, you pair that with a change up in, in the sinker sweeper mix that, that I mentioned. And, and that's a boy that that would not be fun to deal with. I, I, my first varsity at bat was against a submarine guy and I just closed my eyes and, and swung as hard as I could and, and I've never been more proud to to ground out the shortstop uh, in in my life so uh, I can't imagine facing a, an SEC level pitcher so they're raking up in the portal I, I like I said I don't think that they're done either uh, and, and not only are they adding guys that position of need uh, but they're adding really really quality pitcher or quality players and we, we go back to recruiting I mean they're beating out the best of the best for these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cannon Peebles, he's from Virginia and picked Tennessee over Virginia, who just went to the World Series, and Vanderbilt and South Carolina. Uh, Galaney could have gone just about anywhere in the country. Um, I, I'm AJ Causey picked Tennessee over Auburn, who went to the College World Series last year and, and has turned into a really good uh, baseball program program under Butch Thompson. Uh, Nate Sneed truly could have gone anywhere in the country. Yeah. Uh, he picks Tennessee over Arkansas and LSU, and I don't think Arkansas and LSU were too happy with those phone calls from from what I heard uh, to inform them that, that he was heading to Tennessee. So, uh, and, and then there's other guys that they're after. Luke Coleman, uh, the Alabama transfer, he's still with Team USA, so it's probably going to be a minute before he makes a decision, uh, but everybody in the country uh, wants him. Uh, Billy Amick, the Clemson transfer, mm-hmm. uh, Tennessee's fighting against Florida, South Carolina, Texas A&M uh, f- for him. 
Uh, and there's a million guys in the portal. So there's other guys that they're looking at as well. But it's it's been a nice week or two uh, for, for Tennessee baseball. And, and, again, just kind of speaking to the elevation of the program, they're, they're no longer in a situation to where after they go to Omaha, they're, they're not a program that has to take a couple of years to, to rebuild. They, they reload each and every offseason, which further cements the fact that they, they've caught up to a lot of the premier baseball programs in the country. They need to go win more in Omaha now to, to truly establish themselves as a, a tier one program. But in terms of talent and, and wins on the recruiting trail and uh, two Omahas in, in three years, that kind of speaks for itself as as well. Yeah, I mean, it's been super impressive, the talent that they've accumulated and and picturing those arms that they've added from the portal, Nate Sneed actually adding velocity. You can say that with confidence because of the work Coach Anderson has done with multiple arms over the course of his career. It's not it's it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, uh, when guys come into, into Tennessee and get to work with him. So obviously we want to be respectful of your time. I know you're probably fired up because Anthony Volpe just hit his 11th home run of the year, and I know you're, you're following <laughs> along to the Yankees game. But uh, Lindsey Nelson State, renovations this is a huge deal um it's been a huge thing in college baseball we've obviously seen that this was the largest and most watched college world series in the history so obviously college baseball is growing across the across the board but specifically in the sec you're talking about a 95.8 million dollar addition to the stadium and yes that is college baseball getting 95.8 million dollars we're going to ignore the 300 million dollar addition that neyland stadium is going to get in the same that <laughs> came out in the same news week, but coach Vitello said, uh, this is a quote from him since arriving in Knoxville, our staff in combination with the university's support have earmarked player development as priority. Number one with these proposed renovations, our player development areas will go from some of the best in the country to a truly elite status. And this is only a portion of the extensive work that will ultimately result in a facility worthy of its fan base. So what are, I mean, what's the talk around Knoxville? What's the talk around uh, this and what this stadium means and what it means to this, you know, building, continuing to build what Tennessee is? Because you said they've recruited at a disadvantage at times. Now you're having player development at the level of the tops of the top, and you're given a recruiting staff that's recruited at an elite level already, even more resources to sell to these kids. Well, it, it's funny. They're, they're pouring in $100 million uh, to, to establish a new stadium. Tennessee's campus is so compressed and, and everything so on top of each other that there's not room to, to build a completely new stadium. Uh, so they're, they're renovating the, the current stadium, Lindsey Nelson, but it's practically going to be a new stadium. They, they just can't literally tear it down and, and build a new one. But it, it's going to look completely different. Uh, it's not going to be an eyesore uh, Chris Burke, former Tennessee shortstop and, and played with the Astros, one of the greatest players in program history, probably number two behind Todd Helton. Uh, he, he's always joked the the football practice facility is right next to Lindsey Nelson, and uh, you can see the entrance to Lindsey Nelson from the football practice field. And Chris Burke has always joked, obviously football programs love to, to tweet out their their, their highlight videos from practice and, and whatnot. And uh, Chris Burke has always joked that he can't believe that the, the football program tweets out their, their highlight videos with Lindsey Nelson uh, in the background and, and that being the eyesore and, and kind of ruining 
the the shot and the mojo of, of those highlight videos. Uh, so it's going to look much better for, and, I, and a lot of people are are excited for for that simple reason. I mean, uh, Tennessee. Uh, the coaches for the baseball program, they don't bring recruits in from the front because the front is so ugly and so old. They bring them in from the right field corner uh, next to, and that look that it's not like that looks it any better. Uh, it's a, it's a chain link fence. They open it up and they walk right in, but it, it's still better than the front of the stadium. So that's all going to be changed and, and everybody's super excited about it. Uh, it it's going to be huge for the program um, because now that they have all those resources to, to continue to recruit at the high level it, it, that they already are. And it's crazy that they're already recruiting at that high level. And I just mentioned uh, the teams that they're beating out uh, in the transfer portal for guys. If you look at their 2025 and 2024 uh, recruiting rankings, not this year's class that, that'll be here uh, this upcoming academic year, but the next one, 2024 and 2025, according to Perfect Game, they're number one and number two in the country. And recruiting rankings aren't everything, um, but it, it does give you at least a, a little bit of insight to the players and, and the talent that is being brought in. And I mean that that's up there with with LSU and and all those other <laughs> bad boys in in college baseball. Um, and they've done that all without a fancy stadium. Uh, and the the player facilities uh, are are very very nice. Uh, at Tennessee in terms of what we don't see, the batting cages, the locker room, like they've worked on that the last several years. So it, it looks nice, but it's still not what Vanderbilt has and out, out in left field that's like its own $15, $20 million yeah. whole facility on top of the baseball facility. Uh, it's not what Arkansas has or, or what these other programs have, and they're still beating them out on the recruiting trail, which again speaks to the culture of Tennessee baseball and Tony Vitello himself and uh, the winning on the field. So now they're going to have the winning on the field, the facilities, uh, and, and then everything that comes with Tony V's passion and everything we talked about earlier. And like, there's really no excuse for them not winning a, a national championship. Uh, quite frankly, I know that's really hard to do and you can't snap your finger and, and win a national championship, but all the, all the pieces are going to be in place for them to do so. Uh, and, and I'll be very surprised when it's all said and done. Uh, if, if they don't win one, I, I mentioned that earlier. Um, Again, you don't know it's sports. You, you don't know what might happen, but I would be surprised if, when Tony's tenure at Tennessee comes to an end, uh, if he doesn't win a championship just because of the resources that are now being um, given to the program and and the the amount of talent that he has. I mean, he's recruiting with the best of them. Uh, so everybody's super excited. Uh, I'm sure you saw all the videos of Drew Gilbert hitting the walk off grand slam against Wright State in the NCAA tournament. I mean, only. 4,000 people were there, and it's it's been impossible to get a ticket, not just to those moments in, in the NCAA tournaments that they've hosted the last couple of years. Um, it's been impossible to get in if, if you're not a season ticket holder. So now they're going from like 4,000 to, to 7,600, almost 8,000. They're almost doubling the capacity. And now, granted, some of that is with standing room only for postseason stuff. I, I think yeah. the amount of seats that will be in the stadium will be 6,300, uh, and then they'll be able to add another 1,000 or so uh, with standing room only uh, for those big-time events when they're hosting a regional and, and super regional. Uh, so a lot of people are excited from that simple standpoint of, of more access to get into the games and, and be able to see these moments uh, in, in person. So 
uh, everybody's fired up uh, about Tennessee baseball right now. I said it earlier. He, he's kind of like the the mayor of Knoxville in, in East Tennessee, which is crazy because he's not the football coach. Uh, and, and look, the basketball coach is Rick Barnes, and, and Rick Barnes is, has won a lot of basketball games uh, a, as well. So everybody's fired up, the, the coaches and everybody associated with the program, because now they're going to be on equal footing, kind of. This was the, the last point that I, I wanted to make is everything's going to look super nice. I, I'm sure you've seen the renderings and, and a lot of people mm-hmm. listening have if they follow college baseball closely. It's going to look awesome. I'm super excited. Uh, I started covering Tennessee baseball when I was a student journalist at the end of the Dave Serrano era, uh, and you felt embarrassed to be there and, and write about the team. Uh, it's like nobody cared about the the baseball team, and, and it was more of a burden and on the university to even have a team that, that they, they neglected. Uh, the only people in the stands were family and friends. Like it, it's, Now it's become the cool thing to do and, and cool thing to cover. Uh, so although everything's kind of catching up and, and it's going to look really nice, they're still so far behind everybody else in the SEC. When when you look at, I mentioned earlier, kind of what Arkansas and, and Vanderbilt yeah. and LSU, their facilities are just absolutely ridiculous. And yeah. I don't mean to leave anybody else out. The Mississippi schools, Florida, uh, Tennessee is kind of catching up, but they're also not really catching up completely uh, just because it's an arms race. You see it with SEC football, one one team builds this fancy facility and then another team tries to one-up them. That That's what SEC baseball has become. So uh, Tennessee baseball is going to be in a good, really good spot, but they're always going to be playing catch-up at least for the next probably 10 to 15 years just because it seems like every offseason. Uh, it's just like Auburn a couple years ago redid Plainsman Park and then – Two weeks or so ago, they announced more renovations, just yeah. like Tennessee. So, like Tennessee was catching up to where Auburn was, and now Auburn's <laughs> announcing more, even more renovations. So, it's it's funny how the SEC works. It you hear the saying all the time, it just means more, and it really just mm-hmm. does mean more down here. It does, it does. There's no doubt about that. Um, and the arms race that you talk about, you're talking about. I mean, even in we're in ACC country around here, where stones throw from four ACC schools and it don't look like it looks like in the SEC. You know, you're not fitting. I mean, you're talking about some of the, the Mississippi schools being able to fit 14,000, 15,000 people into those stadiums, and they fill it out even on down years. Uh, so it's it means more, and, and the investment is more, and it's probably why you've seen an SEC national championship a lot recently in college baseball. But, hey, we appreciate everything you've given us today. That's a conversation for another day is the dominance of the SEC baseball. But Ben, I mean, huge thanks to to all the content you, you brought. And, and obviously, I know our listeners will be very appreciative of, of all the Tennessee baseball talk. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate it. Like I said, off the top, uh, sorry that, that it's been a little delayed uh, me getting on here. Uh, but I, I appreciate y'all reaching out and uh, sticking sticking with me. Uh, sticking to me and and, and get me on here. So I, I'd love to come back anytime y'all want me. Of course, of course. And and obviously, if Dan and I ever get down there to to Knoxville to watch either football or baseball, we we might we'll have to we'll have to link up and 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 get together and and be able to to do that and and have a little conversation over over some dinner or something. But obviously, thank you to our listeners out there for tuning in. As that will conclude our episode for today. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you find your pods. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, always hitting your feed at 7 a.m. sharp. 
Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. And most importantly, make sure you're sharing with five friends, and we'll see you next time on the Backside Ground Balls podcast. Great news. Major League Baseball is back. The college baseball season continues to electrify. And with the help of our friends over at SeatGeek, we can get you out to whatever game you want to see. All you need to do is head over to SeatGeek, find your game you want to go to, and enter promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to get $20 off your first purchase. Maybe you want to go see some NBA or NHL playoffs. I don't know. Maybe you want to go to a concert with the weather warming up throughout the country. No matter what event you're looking to go to, our friends at SeatGeek can hook you up with the best deals. Great seats at an affordable price. You can't beat it. Make sure to enter promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL for $20 off. That's SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL.